You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. Welcome to Make Liberty Great Again, the best damn liberty podcast that you've never heard of. I'll be your guide as we peer into the ridiculous reality that is our society and our government. Let's get to it. Welcome to Make Liberty Great Again. I'm your host, Cam Harless, and with me this week is my good buddy, Chuck DeGroot, the freelance animator of my dreams. I I fucked it up. You paused, dude. You paused, and I felt like I had to say something. That's going to be the problem here. I'm not going to know when to cut in. All right, you should start again. I I think we'll just leave that there. Oh, man. All right. Well, hi, everybody. That's... uh, now you, <laughs> this is pretty much what you can expect for the rest of the episode. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing and I'm half asleep right now. So now it's, it tends to be how that goes. A, a lot of times what will happen. And since I edit most of the other shows, slightly more than half, I spend a lot of time hearing people talk over each other. So I'll, I'll, I'll be editing it and I'll, I'll have to like, isolate the different feeds so I can determine who is saying the more worthwhile sentence mm-hmm. <laughs> that I choose. It's my it's my discretion. Yeah, just um. pop mine completely down for the whole episode because <laughs> nothing of substance is going to come out of this side. All right. So, folks, with me, I do have uh, my good friend Chuck, who is a member of um, my super secret Facebook group that you can't be a part of. And, um, well, I mean, maybe some of you. Uh, but yeah, he's he's been a, a an online friend of mine for a couple years now, and I just felt like talking to him about the news today. So, yeah, you want to do that, Chuck? Yeah, let's do it. Do you prefer Chuck? Yeah, I get this question all the time because that's not what my Facebook profile says, and I I actually don't have a preference. Half half of my friends and family call me Charlie. Half of them call me Chuck. So you know, whatever. Chuck started with my my childhood best friend, Ross. He was the first person to ever call me Chuck when we were in like, you know, third grade and it just stuck ever since. But not everybody is a fan. My wife calls me Charlie. When I met uh, Ryan's wife on Facebook, she's Hannah Joy mm-hmm. and he calls her Hannah. And so in my head, I, I have to like reprogram my brain to call her by the actual preferred name rather than the one that she has on Facebook. So you think that it should be Hannah Joy, but that she just goes by Hannah. See, I automatically just disregard middle names. They're, they're self-indulgent nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason I didn't was because he would call her Hannah Joy. And so I was like, okay, so I guess she goes by both. And there's a story behind that. My older brother is I call him Chris and I will call him Chris until the day I die. But he went off to college and he decided that there were too many Chris's and that his name was now going to be Topher. <laughs> like Topher Grace? <laughs> yeah. And that's what I said. I was like, like Topher Grace. And he was like, yeah, no, it's cool. Uh, our grandmother used to call me that. And I was like, I don't, I have no memory of that whatsoever. Um, but okay, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it, it, it I, I have a bad uh, habit of awkward. <laughs> I have a bad habit of the first 
name that I see that you or that you introduce yourself as or online if I see that as your name, it takes a lot for me to call you anything else. So, but you had to have seen that I my profile was Charlie when when I first showed up in the group and you call me Chuck. I did because I've seen you use the name Chuck more on other mediums and I kind of like saying Chuck. My middle name's Ross, maybe that's the the issue there. I was just like he, he maybe he prefers this. I'll just go with that and then I'll ask later. Yeah, and my my website is Chuck too. So Right. Yeah, so all the official stuff I see, I'm like, okay, yeah. so he goes by Chuck, I'll do that. Yeah. One of my girlfriends, her name was Katie, right? But the way she spelled it was K A Y D E E. Oh god. <laughs> which is which is fine. <laughs> but on well, on Facebook she had it spelled K-A-Y-D, as if I was supposed to magically know that the D at the end was supposed to be said like the letter D rather than duh. <laughs> and so, like, literally the first two or three weeks that I was dating her, I was like, oh, hey, Cade. I mean... <laughs> oh, man. Well, and so that relationship was, was doomed from the start. You don't well, recover she, she from was that. the one that... Lit- that later on told me that she only showered every every other to every two or three days. And I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, can't do that. Not, oh, no. I wonder what that did for her self-confidence being in a relationship where the guy leaves you <laughs> because he's so grossed out by the fact that you don't shower. Meanwhile, he has like a beard the size of my dog. You know, like this guy... Found me too gross to date. Where do I go from here? Not to mention that I didn't say her name right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I'm excited to have you on. I've been like slowly trying to get you to do an episode or a show or something with me for a while now. Uh, there's that secret project that I'm I'm waiting on the creative person who's writing it to make it happen. I think you know what I'm talking yes. about. Yes. Yeah. It, it took me a second there, but yeah. 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 But that, you know, hopefully. Well, he's got a lot going on right now. Oh, yeah. So, but hopefully we'll get that all sorted out. I did want to introduce you to um, the three people that listen to my show. I always feel, did you ever watch the movie Yes Man? Yeah. Do you remember the part in Yes Man where he goes to Zoe Deschanel's concert and she's she starts off the concert and she names all seven people that are in the crowd. She's right, like, oh, hey, yeah. Rodrigo. <laughs> That's how I feel about this podcast. <laughs> I feel like I'm like, hey, Paul, thanks for listening this week. Yeah, I know what you mean. I feel like this is a huge <laughs> waste of my time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, well, you should feel that way. <laughs> no, no. Um, yeah, well, we, we have been kind of uh, talking about getting me involved in some of this stuff for a while. Um, I have been hesitant because i think i'm probably the most boring person on the planet and uh i work from from home um you know i'm a freelancer i work from home i don't interact with people other than through my keyboard pretty much ever other than my wife so i feel like i can't even like carry on a conversation like a normal person which is evidenced by (laughs) you know the first like 10 seconds of this show (laughs) I screwed it up immediately. 
<laughs> so, you know, strap in. A lot more of that kind of stuff is going to happen. <laughs> no, I think it's going well. I mean, you you already insulted my beard, so that means you're good with me. <laughs> <laughs> which 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 is funny because I have a list of news that I kind of want to touch on, but I keep being reminded of anecdotes, and so I'm just going to go with that for now. Another girl I dated, it was right around the time that I got my first motorcycle. Mm-hmm. And so I had the beard and I bought the the leather uh vest you know, all the crap that you're supposed to get when you get a motorcycle. When you've got a crush on Charlie Hunnam. Yeah, I know. Right, right, yeah, yeah. I started walking like him, flailing <laughs> my arms like a retard. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I I had all that get up and I'm like, generally like on, online I can be a little bit, you know, more heartless, but I'm I'm an affable guy. I'm, I'm a kind person for the most part. But if you... If you look at me the wrong way or I'm pissed off and I have all of that regalia on, I've been told that it can be intimidating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so uh, there was th- this girl that I was dating was working at Zaxby's and there was a guy that was working with her. And one day in the back of the store, he grabbed her head and kissed her on the mouth, like just out of nowhere. And so I was, of course, pissed off and wanted to go play the big man and ride up and threaten him or whatever. And she was like, no, 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 don't do that. It's fine. It's fine. And so, you know, I kind of like tried to push that out of my mind, but, you know, had that little bit of a grudge against this human being I'd never seen before. Mm-hmm. And uh, one day I was working and I got off work and she called me and she says, hey, do you want to come by Zaxby's? I'll give you a free meal. And I was like, well, of course I do. And I was on my motorcycle. I had all the stuff on. And I, I pull up to, to the Zaxby's and I back my bike up and my girlfriend and her, uh, this guy that had tried to kiss her before or had, was st- were, they were standing outside and she kind of points at me and I'm like not knowing what's going on. I don't know who this dude is that's standing next to her. And so I just start walking up, doing my flailing Charlie Hunnam walk and um, this dude runs away runs to his car, backs up quickly, peels out. You could hear his tires and he drives off. And I walk up to her and I was like, what the hell just happened? And she was like, oh, well, he he tried to kiss me again. So I just, I told him my boyfriend was going to come and beat him up. And, you know, that's why I called you. Hmm. And I was like, that's not, that feels like something you should have told me (laughs) before I pulled up. Just like walking (laughs) blindly into this situation. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, you know, I, I may have been mad enough to do something, but I was fortunate enough that, you know, pulling up on the motorcycle with the big beard and walking up wearing leather was enough. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's like the best case scenario, really. You, you know, you get the outcome that you want and you have to put zero effort into it. I, my whole life is based around that principle. Speaking of of Zaxby's, I, I was just yeah. talking to my wife about this. Uh, I don't know, earlier today or maybe it was yesterday. Have you noticed that if you, and this is like across the political spectrum, people on the left do it, people on the right do it, libertarians do it. If you start to talk about fast food, about, oh, like, oh man, I'm really craving, you know, a Big Mac or whatever. People cannot help themselves, but to like... Judge the hell out of you? New, new, yeah, like nutritionally virtue signal to each other. 
about how they don't eat. They wouldn't put that in their body. They wouldn't they wouldn't be caught dead in a McDonald's. It's like, shut up. Nugs are where it's at. And you know it. I, I married that person. Oh, that 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 judges you for eating McDonald's. <laughs> yeah, because I'll be like, man, tonight sucks. I don't really want to cook. I don't want to clean. I'm just going to get the kids some nugs. And she's like, I will eat anything else. Oh, man. <laughs> and, and then I named three things, and she's like, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I'm lucky in that, like, all I have to do with my wife is, like, plant the seed, like, you know, oh, man, some some chicky fingies sound pretty good tonight. And, like, she's, like, <laughs> immediately, she goes with it. She's like, yeah, or or, like, a burger or whatever. But I like I I partially attribute that that to the fact that she like I told you before the show, she wakes up at, you know, five thirty, quarter to six in the morning, and she has one of those Peloton bikes and like one of those treadmills uh-huh. and all kinds of stuff. So we have like our whole garage is just her personal gym. And so she wakes up before six and she works out like mad. Like she's training for a triathlon every morning. So it's like, I think she's just so like calorically deprived because the amount that she works out, there's no (laughs) way she could eat enough. So like anytime you bring up any kind of like junk food or fast food, she's like all in immediately because her body's telling her, yeah, you need those calories. That is lucky because I I thought for sure as a kid when I was like, one day I'll be married. And I thought for sure the arguments, the the most heated arguments that we would have would not be about what restaurant to go to. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm like, no, literally, when I say anything, I mean just name something and I'm good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anything. Yeah. I mean, as long as it's not like Ruth's Chris or, you know. <laughs> right. Anything that I can Something stupid yeah. expensive. Yeah, anything because you know how much money I'm I'm willing to spend on dinner. Pick something. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, we are like the quintessential, you know, good for nothing millennials who we don't plan ahead. Like we don't we don't go to the grocery store and like buy enough food for for the week. We like every day we have to figure out what our next meal is going to be like. We it's probably like four times a week we have to like go out and either go to the grocery store and buy something for that night or we just go to a restaurant because like we we don't have any kids. We're lazy millennials. We don't know how to do anything. I don't I think we're millennials. I don't know when the cutoff is. I think the cutoff is like 1981 or something like that. Okay, I was born in 84. I think it's like 81 or something like that. Got it. Some some arbitrary ass number. Yeah, I don't like me. I don't like identifying with <laughs> with that group of lazy <laughs> good for nothing. I I'm like I'm 36 but like I'm basically a boomer. Like I told you what time is it now? It's 10:36. This is like hours past my bedtime. <laughs> I don't tolerate young people i don't tolerate people my own age group or younger you know yeah well maddie's the same way like maddie goes because you know i've I've been like hey i want to do an episode and she's like yeah yeah when and i was like can you do like nine and she's like oh man i'll be in bed by then and i'm always like you are younger than me yeah i i i get it 
I think that one of the things about because the the generation cutoffs are so are, are mostly just so arbitrary that it's stupid mm-hmm. because it's like I think you should probably base it off of how old your parents were mm-hmm. when they had you probably because my parents were boomers yep and there are other people my age whose parents was, were whose parents is, <laughs> whose parents were Gen X and I'm like I'm not like you yeah. Yeah, that's weird. Like my yeah, my brother, my oldest brother. I'm the youngest in my family. Uh, my oldest brother, I think, is a Gen Xer. He's four to early forties. My my oldest brother is Gen X. No, wait, is he? No, he's he's older than early forties. What am I talking about? He's like late forties. Oh my god, I can't <laughs> believe how old I'm getting. I mean, like like just just earlier today, I I go to the bathroom. And I look in the mirror and my head is just bleeding. <laughs> There's just like blood coming out of my head. And I went, my, my wife works from home too. She, she has an office like right the next door over from mine. And I went over to her office and I'm like, why am I bleeding? I don't even know how this happened. And I was like, is this just, is this something that happens when you get older? And she's like, I don't think so. I think that that happens when you're like 70 yeah. and your skin is so thin that if a feather touches it, you get, you get a, a bruise. Right. Or if you're 36 and like 60% of your diet all your life has been McDonald's, that happens too. <laughs> well, it's like, like I was telling you before we got on this, I, I've had a beard forever. I haven't shaved my face since 2013, but literally two weeks after I turned 30, for the first time in my life, I had to deal with dry beard and like flakes coming out of it. And I started having to have a beard routine and I, I don't like it. <laughs> I like how there was like no punchline to that story. So you just had to come up with something <laughs> on the spot and it was, I don't no, like it. <laughs> I don't like think a toddler it's... would say. <laughs> well, I mean, I spend most of my time with toddlers, right. so. I, and At least again, I haven't called you a poopy butt. I would I would also just like to point out that this is the guy. I haven't shaved my beard since 2013. But by the way, I'm breaking up with you because you don't shower. <laughs> Imagine what that did to that poor girl's head. <laughs> well, I didn't tell her that. <laughs> Could you imagine that conversation? Oh, man. So, wait, we're, we're through. Why? Oh, well, you don't stink, but I feel like you should be more hygienic. Dude, <laughs> breaking up was always like, I, I don't know why. I just, I hate upsetting people, right? I hate being the bad guy. <laughs> and, like, that was always something that I had such a hard time doing. I remember one time I actually Googled word for word i googled state-of-the-art ways to break up with somebody (laughs) because i was looking for some new you know method that it was just like you know hot hot off the press that would like a state-of-the-art way to break up with somebody without them like hating you or feeling bad or feeling disappointed or whatever (laughs) the search didn't turn anything good up but you know you just ghost them yeah, you basically just ignore them until they break up with you. That was my my method. <laughs> well, well, my move was always just like, you know, right now, blah, 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 reason. I just need a little space. 
And then like two weeks later, I'd be like, I just don't think we can do this anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's a, I think that's a pretty standard move. I think it, I, that's like what everybody does. You you like test the waters with I need some space. And then once you're like away for long enough, then you can just be like, nah, I'm not I'm not coming back. Well, and I think part of that is like just being able to have that objective, a slight bit more objectivity in the situation because you're not next to that person all the time. Yeah. You get that chance to go, do I miss being around this person? And you're like, no? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that works. Next up on the relationship pod with Cam and Chuck. <laughs> Why are we talking about this? I don't know. It's just, we're just letting it happen. And then we'll talk about that Greta Thunberg sticker. Yeah, I, I was just going to bring that up um, because it is freaking disturbing. Yeah. I don't even know. I don't want to describe it. I don't know how to describe it. So, balls in your <sighs> court. So... Okay, so what was what was the company? It was a, it was an oil company? Some sort of Canadian yeah. oil company or something, right? And and apparently this oil company, according to the 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 story that I read, made took a picture or a someone someone hired someone like Charlie to draw a picture of Greta Thunberg <laughs> for the sticker for this this oil company. I did not and do this, by the way. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> like me, not me. <laughs> And so, and so it's, they called it, in the article, they called it a depiction of, did they use the word pedophilic? I can't remember. But it was it was a, a depiction of rape or sexual assault or whatever. Because mm-hmm. it it's literally, I don't even want to describe it. Yeah. Uh, like BDSM hair pulling, but like sexual. But it's it's not explicit. But it is. Yeah, I mean, it's it gets the point across. Uh, it says an Alberta woman says she has complained to the RCMP. I don't know what that is. Some Canadian thing about a decal bearing an energy services company's logo below a cartoon depicting what appears to be the sexual assault of a 17 year old Swedish climate activist, Greta Thunberg. And yet I, the article that we were looking at doesn't even and you know i wouldn't expect them to but they don't show the sticker i you saw it somewhere online and showed it to me and man is it it bums me out it's like you know i yeah i'm no no fan of greta thunberg or you know what she's advocating for in terms of you know giant government you know policies in order to curb this um you know global warming trend that that she claims is happening but this yeah. the sticker itself is just it's like in such poor taste it's it's very disturbing yeah it, yeah and it's it's one of those things that like i i read it and i did read multiple articles until i actually saw the sticker because it was one of those things where it was like it wasn't like i was looking for i didn't really want to see it mm-hmm. but i needed to know what they were describing yeah because, because they could so easily be blowing it out of proportion but in this case they weren't <laughs> It could have been something so much more innocent that they were calling mm-hmm. sexual assault. And I just had to, I had to know. Luckily, it wasn't explicit in, in so far as there were no sex organs or right. uh, anything like that. But I mean, it was definitely like, I feel like 
if I was stupid enough to let my daughter go out and do that kind of crap, and then I saw something like that, I, I who, whoever I found out did it would end up at the other end of a hammer. Yeah, that's like, I, I don't know. The, the older I get, uh, the more I find myself being able to look at this kind of stuff through somebody else's eyes, you know, and if if I had a daughter and that kind of thing uh, showed up online depicting her, I would be raging so hard. And, you know, I, I do have bunches of nieces and nephews and just thinking about them. Now, like you alluded to, I would never allow my kid to get involved in this kind of stuff to begin with. I would never. Absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, she's out there and I think this kind of thing is crazy. It's over the line. But, you know. It is what it is. I mean, well, and that's the reason that I thought it was interesting to bring up and why I went to multiple articles to see is because I you never know if it's, you know, like we talked about, you never know if it's like the Australian fires. You know, there's some leftists out there Mm -hmm. that want to make a point and want to drive home their their point by doing something. Yeah. And that's that's what I mentioned before the show. And to be honest, I if that I still wouldn't be surprised if that's the case, if it, if it was kind of a, right. yeah, an attempt to make that oil company look bad or, or make whoever, you know, look bad. Um, like that church that was burnt down in, I think it was in Mississippi. A black church was burnt down like last year, I think. And the guy who burnt it down wrote like make America mm-hmm. great again or Trump or something on the side of the building and then burnt down the church. And it was a black congregant. Right. You know, or like Jesse Smollett, who staged his own uh, attempted lynching. It's like at this point I see this and I'm like, well, this is an interesting story, but I can't imagine believing it on face value. According to some of the articles that I read, the best they got of, got out of it was like they I think it was they one of the articles said that they asked one of the people who works for the company if that was an official uh, an official company sticker yeah. and he nodded really oh yeah. my god we, the the article the one that we were sharing i think he came out with a statement saying or somebody from the company came out with a statement saying this we don't know who did this this is not something from our company right and well that's a, that's the thing like it, i'm i i don't i doubt it is an official like i don't I, I don't see why an oil company would draw that kind of fire right purposefully like it it doesn't make any sense to me I could see it being on either left or right, either the someone on the right's getting really mad at Greta Thunberg mm-hmm. or, you know, someone on the left wants to draw up some some controversy. But I, I read an article and the, it said they asked a, uh, someone who worked for the company and he nodded. And I was like, oh, yeah, I believe that. Mm-hmm. That's that's quality journalism. Right. Yeah, I guess that's the thing. I, you know, we we're talking about the effects of getting older like a randomly bleeding head and you know one of i feel like one of the other effects of getting older is that i just don't trust any media anymore like i it's gotten to the point where not not only do i not trust anybody so like i i just don't consume news about current events like i used to when i was younger i was obsessed with this stuff but the lack of trust in any sources, even, you know, I, I used to be like, oh, yeah, Reason Magazine, they're pretty balanced. They're, you know, and, and I don't even feel that way <laughs> about them anymore, you know. So, like, 
it's partially like I don't even know where to go to get a balanced story, but also like just utter saturation of all of this, like all all of these partisan stories. You know, this is obviously this Greta Thunberg story is, is being used as a way to make people who, quote unquote, deny climate change look bad. You know, it's just like there's too much and it's like i'm i'm just i can't continue to like ingest this non-stop like assault of partisan nonsense anymore i'm just kind of sick of it it's like when i was when i was younger i you know when i was in college or high school and i was super into this kind of stuff it was kind of like my thing like nobody else really cared and now it's like everybody cares and it's too much and I just want to get away for a little while. Well, that and I think for a lot of us, even if we don't even realize it, a lot of people have been red-pilled on the corporate media mm-hmm. and the the fact that it's an agenda rather than a bias. Right. Like all of these stories, these people have something that they're shooting for. And I mean, some of it's a very carefully constructed narrative. And it's it's like once you you see that, it's it's you know like Michael Malice talks about. It. It's like the Matrix. Once you see the the Matrix, once you see those green digits floating down the screen, you're able to see the whole mm-hmm. the whole of it. You can't escape. Oh wow, that's that's an agenda. That's this. They're trying to do this. They're trying to do that. Right. It makes the news. Honestly, for me, it makes it more interesting mm-hmm. because when I look at articles like this, this particular article. I went through several just to kind of see what the general thing is, but I'll go to the left and I'll go to the right and I'll go to the quote unquote center and I'll, I'll see what matches across them. And I'm like, okay, so this may be a fact, but that's about as close as I can get. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) This might be true. I just don't have the energy to to figure it out. I just, I'm just like, all right, I'm just going to, Hang out with my Xbox and my sheepdogs and my wife and just ignore everything that's going on. Just ignore the world burning around me. Yeah, sometimes I hate that I decided, you know what? You know what this world needs is a, a libertarian podcast <laughs> about the news. Like late late night type. Yeah. Why did I do this? <laughs> well, I, but there is another horrifying story in the news. Mm-hmm. First off, I did talk about coronavirus some. At this point, I part of me feels like it's a spook. Mm-hmm. Like I haven't gone into like the conspiracy theories about it or anything like that, but I, f- I feel like there's some garbage going on. But apparently the first person in the United States actually died from coronavirus. A, a man in his late 50s died of coronavirus in uh, Washington, in the Seattle area. And I bring this up Partially because of coronavirus, which I think people are freaking out about more than they need to be, like with every other pandemic that we've heard of in the past, what, 20, 30 years. You didn't get SARS, did you? <laughs> no, I I must have been asleep through that whole thing. I have no understanding of what SARS even was. <laughs> How about Mad Cow? Did you get Mad Cow? Nope. Avian flu. Yes. No. Wait, no. <laughs> Swine flu. No. <laughs> the, the, that's the, but that's the thing. Like, I, I don't get too hopped up and excited about these pandemics because I just... it's Or Ebola was the last one. Do you remember the Ebola panic? Yeah. Like, a couple years ago? What? I think it was, like, th- three people. Right. 
why, why should I get worked up? But I think the best part about this guy dying of coronavirus, <laughs> what a horrible way to say that. But the best part about this guy dying of coronavirus was that President Trump had to get up there and talk about it. He had to to go and give his condolences. And when he did so, he called the 50-year-old man who died a wonderful woman. <laughs> oh, man. Classic Trump. <laughs> just like that. That's, I just don't know how you get better than yeah, that. That's like why... I I want him to win in 2020 because the entertainment value of this presidency is like nothing I've ever experienced before. Someone was asking about, I don't know if they were say, asking about not voting or if, I forget what, what exactly the question was, but I had said, you know, the two, the only two legitimate reasons for voting is for the lulls and out of spite. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, and so right now, like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of done with the whole voting thing. And honestly, I, I kind of want to make a MoGraph don't vote video that we can spread and disseminate because mm-hmm. I feel like that would be a lot of fun um, just to see the reactions off of it. Oh, your, your meme says it, says it the best. I mean, it's, it's a religion at this point. The, the, yeah. I voted sticker on the forehead. The what is I don't even know the religious meaning of that. Is it Ash Wednesday or something? Yeah, that's Ash Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, I I'm not Catholic or, you know, more sacramental or liturgical like that. So I am not entirely sure of what Ash Wednesday is. I assume that it has something to do with uh back in the Old Testament when someone would have something horrible happen to them, they would tear their clothes they would wear sackcloth and they would rub ashes on them. So I guess it's a sign of mourning. Ugh, boring. Not really sure. Well, <laughs> <laughs> love, I love... That's a question for Tom Woods. Yeah, I love that meme though. And I love seeing... Because this is a meme that you created. Like a couple years ago. And it's of a, a priest putting the I voted sticker on some woman's forehead in this, you know, religious <laughs> ceremony. And I love seeing that, knowing that you did it. And like this year, for some reason, it is like picked up steam just in the last week. And I'm like seeing it everywhere. I'm, I'm seeing people share it all over the place. And I, so like, that's my claim to fame. Like I know the guy that made that meme. <laughs> well, my other one is the uh, when we were going to go to war, when we were allegedly going to go to war with Iran. I think it was last year. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And the peace sign. Yeah. The I made the the peace the finger peace sign hand gesture with the Iranian flag on it, and it went it went all over the mm-hmm. place. But what was funny was the other day I was in some I was I was on some page reading something, and someone commented, and their profile picture was of a real hand that someone had painted and matched that image that I had created exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I saw that. I saw you comment on that. I was like, what? (laughs) Yeah. Because the person never told me who they got it from because I loved, I mean, that's actually really cool. The the fact that the other night I Googled the name of this my podcast and found literally the first ever designs I made for the original podcast People have been apparently they they got that original black and white image and they've been selling bumper stickers with it. Mm-hmm. And I found it on Amazon and I found wow. it in some other random place. And I was like, 
how'd you even get this? Because it's, uh, I, it can't be anyone other than mine. <laughs> right. You know, no one's going to make that. <laughs> right. But yeah, apparently people are making money off of my IP. And it, yeah, I was going to say, as somebody that, that I assume doesn't believe in intellectual property, you, uh, you gotta, you gotta just applaud that, right? Well, it's it's one of those things where like I don't really care that much because I doubt they're selling that many because it was it's easily one of my least favorite designs that I made for this. But I the my only issue like I don't legally I mean it's an idea it's a photo what can I do? Mm-hmm. I think that there's a respect issue mm-hmm. that I I take issue with. Yeah. But it's definitely not legal. I don't need the state to back up pictures I make or things like that. But I mean, come on, have a little decency, right? You know, say hey, can I use this? Yeah. Not because I'm going to say no, but because, you know, show some respect. All you have to do is ask. (laughs) But one of the things that I found that I think is easily my favorite coronavirus cure, uh, (laughs) I I got a a notification from the news and uh, the article said that there's a cleric in Iran who's claiming that the cure for coronavirus is to take a cotton ball, <laughs> dip it in violet essential oils, and then shove it up your anus. Yeah, I hear you snickering there, but prove that it doesn't work. <laughs> I, I can't. This guy, I think that it's probably... This guy seems like a real straight shooter. I, I, I buy it. <laughs> it's a... My, that's my first course of action as soon as I get this uh, coronavirus, which you know I'm going to get. The news tells me every day I'm going to get it. <laughs> well, that's the the good thing is that I'm sure there are plenty plenty of women in our libertarian groups who are part of a multi-level marketing campaign that can get you that violet oil to shove up your ass. Right. Otherwise known as pyramid schemes. <laughs> I love that they tried to rebrand it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, no. This is called multi-level marketing. It's yeah. different. You have an upline. It's not a pyramid. <laughs> it's just, it, it's uh, was it always sunny or something where they, it was like just a, it was a funnel, and then I think Frank was like flip it upside down, and it just turned into a pyramid. It's just like ah, it was the it. office. Oh, was it? Yeah, it was the office. Michael was trying to sell phone cards. <laughs> yeah. And so he had Jim had him draw out the different levels, and then he drew a triangle around it. Oh, so good! (laughs) Uh, So we had good news this week. Apparently, Trump signed a historic peace deal to end the eighteen-year war in Afghanistan. Uh, Canceled. Yeah, that's what I hear. I haven't actually (laughs) verified this. I just saw it come up in my notifications. That almost immediately the Taliban was like, yeah, actually, no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> yeah. So you, so your engagement with keeping up with the news is is pretty much exactly like mine. Just read the headlines and the notifications in, on your Facebook and the uh, comments and uh, <laughs> skip the articles. You don't need to read those. Well, well what's funny is I, I, I put out all of the, the articles that I'm, I plan on reading and I read, I re, I've read all of the ones up to this one, but before I got a chance to read these articles, I saw the notification in the news that the Taliban had decided not to do it. So I was like, you know what, screw it. 
Yeah. It, it's not even worth the, the worth the, the time that I would spend reading this. Especially because we all kind of, you know, the, the, the people in our circle, as soon as it happened, we were all like, oh, sweet. And then within five minutes, we were all like, uh, it's probably not going to happen. Yeah. There was just way too much. I, I did read a little bit about it and there was way too much kind of wiggle room for the for the state to be like, nah. Yeah. yeah forget it. Deals off. Well, and it's, it's one of those things. I don't know why any of these countries, I don't know why Iran entered into the nuclear deal. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know why the Taliban would just let the U.S. trample their sovereignty like that. It's like, oh, yeah, we'll stop killing everyone in your country if you obey us. And then they're like, OK, yeah, we'll do that. How is that possibly ever going to happen? Yeah, I I'm going to be honest with you, man. I don't understand how any of this works. <laughs> I don't understand how any, you know, diplomacy and foreign policy works. All I know is it's freaking tax season and I got to hand over a <laughs> shit ton of money to the government and I don't want to. And that's why I'm a libertarian. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that, that was one of those things that now that I'm quote unquote self-employed, like I have to save money to pay the government. And so like all throughout the last several months, I've had these things come up that I needed money for mm-hmm. and it was sitting there in my account, but I couldn't touch it. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, the good old I'm tax a cuck. account. Yeah. I, I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you what, like the, my, my real non-sarcastic turning point into libertarianism was actually, I was like moved along step by step by, you know, certain podcasts that I listened to. And, and I got to listening to part of the problem with Dave Smith and he always talks about Murray Rothbard and I decided to pick up anatomy of the state. And that is what, really kind of struck a chord with me. And, you know, it went, when he puts it in the context of essentially not only is taxation theft, but they're using what they steal from you to do all of this shit. Yeah. It, all this fucked up shit, like, you know, bombing brown children in the Middle East. And, you know, it's like all this stuff that you have no say over and they're using the wealth that you work to create to fund that. That was like the turning point for me. And when I was finally open to embracing anarchism is when I realized I, I don't want my name attached to all of this fucked up shit that the state does. You don't want to pay for mass murder. Exactly. And I, I mean, I, that's, I forget what the absolute turning point was for me. I actually talked about it with David on his show last night because he he played a clip from like six years ago where he was more or less taking up for the cop that killed Eric Garner for selling untaxed cigarettes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't think I've ever heard anybody defend that. <laughs> well, it wasn't straight up defense. It was like, well, you, you should obey the law or we didn't see the whole video, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It made me think, because there was a moment that I remember. I don't remember the surrounding issues around it, but I remember... I there was a guy that my dad used to work with that somehow brought me into libertarianism and kind of point after I found Ron Paul he kind of pointed me towards learning about the constitution and crap like that. I remember having one day where I was like I'm so done with this and I texted him and I was like can I just be an anarchist is is that okay because I thought that I had to have some sort of approval from someone <laughs> to not worship the state and he was like yeah you have you ever heard of anarcho capitalism you should check out Tom Woods. And I, that was the moment where I was done. 
but I don't, I cannot tell you what that moment was. I can tell you all the moments with Ron Paul, but I've done that a couple times on this on this show, so I probably shouldn't do that again. Right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's funny that you you say that you felt like you had to ask permission because, like, that is that is the hurdle with so many people. Like, we've gone through this public education system where, as they say, you know, you got an indoctrination, not an education. And you're growing up hearing things like, you know, I, I don't even remember who it was now because I'm so disengaged from all this stuff. But was it George Washington never told a lie or Abraham Lincoln never told yeah. a lie or whatever it is? I think neither of them told lies, but and, Washington had the cherry tree. Right. And like you you grow up like with this reverence for these people and this reverence for this government and it's so hard. It's such a difficult thing to kind of like break out of the matrix. You know, that like you've, you've grown up your entire yeah. life just being inundated with this indoctrination, you know, this state worship indoctrination. And I remember when I first encountered anarcho-capitalism, and I should clarify, I don't even consider myself an anarcho-capitalist. The labels mean nothing to me at this point. I just know that like... I, I don't approve of what the government is doing. And that's enough for me. That's one of those things for me too, because I never say, hey, I'm an anarchist mm -hmm. or I'm an anarcho-capitalist or anything like that. I mean, there are times that it's the easiest way to explain things right. to people that are in the know. And there's times when it, people are horrified by it. <laughs> right. And they're, they're, most people are not in the know. Right. You say you're an anarchist, they think of uh, communists with black masks and Molotov cocktails. Exactly, right, right. And that's not what I am. And so it's like, I don't really like playing the label game. It'd have to be a very specific label if I chose one, just because I, I can't be lumped in with people I don't want to be lumped in with. Right. So anyway, I when I was first kind of encountering anarcho-capitalism, which I, it was in my early 30s, I had never even heard of it until my early 30s. And, you know, doing what I do for a living, I actually was introduced to it through a, a graphic designer. And I, I don't even recall his name, but he did all kinds of posters, really clean, simple, simply designed posters that just get to the heart of different aspects of the ideology, right? So yeah. I can't even think of any examples off the top of my head, but they, I was I was into it for the design of it. And mm -hmm. I remember reading through his posters and he also had some write-ups on his website, you know, some explanations of what anarcho-capitalism is. And I remember reading it and being like, yeah, yeah, that all makes sense, but no. Like just being like completely resistant to it, even though it all made perfect sense to me. But like that, that act of breaking out of the matrix and, and just kind of breaking free from the indoctrination was, it was a real hurdle. And it's like when, when I talk to people about it who have not embraced it, or like you said, who are not in the know about it. Yeah. I, I totally understand where they're coming from because it's so fresh in my mind what I had to do to clear that hurdle myself. I think it's well known that kind of in the circle of, you know, liberty people and anarcho-capitalists, we can be very abrasive toward people who we think, you know, worship the state, so to speak. But yeah. I, I think we sometimes we need to take a step back and realize Man, that's not an easy thing to overcome. You know, 
however many years of of government indoctrination that you've gone through like i think we need to be a little more patient with people you know so i'm probably one of the people in our secret group that is i have a little bit of a softer spot so to speak for people that are are more big l libertarians or conservatives you know i i take it a little easier on them i think than a lot of other people in our in our circle for that reason well, I, I typically, when it comes to that sort of thing, I do have strong feelings and thoughts about the Libertarian Party and about a lot of these things, but typically you won't find me attacking a person. Mm-hmm. You won't see me call someone, unless I'm trolling and playing and they they know me well enough that they know I'm playing, I don't attack the people. I will attack the ideas. I do think that, you know, the the matrix analogy is actually so perfectly suited Mm -hmm. for this conversation because one, there is that period of time where you know it's all bullshit and you you step back and you get out of that mindset and there's this period of time where everything is so bizarre. The fact that we have children go to school every morning and, you know, they stand up in their class, they put their hand over their heart and they swear an oath to a piece of cloth mm-hmm. in the country. And it's it's when you start thinking about that, or like you said, uh, George Washington and his cherry tree or whatever, it's so bizarre. Yeah. And there's this period of time where you're like, wow. Yeah, it, that was... How? That was another specific point that I can remember that was like a, a bit of a turning point to me. You know, it didn't all happen overnight. It was a series of, of turns towards you know, this this brand of libertarianism that we embrace. I was listening to part of the problem with Dave Smith, and I don't know if this is something that Murray Rothbard or somebody said, and he was just paraphrasing it, but he described it as, you know, we send our children off to essentially this, you know, eight-hour uh, jail cell, and they start every morning by putting their hand over their heart and praying to a flag. I was already into libertarianism at that point, but man, that description of like just these children putting their hand over their heart and praying to a flag, praying to the state essentially really struck a chord with me. And, And it's really when you get that, when you break free from the indoctrination and you look back at that specific image, that's, it's really horrifying. It's, it's a weird, bizarre thing. Like you said. It's so bizarre when you actually step back and go, what are we doing? How did I do this? I had different moments throughout my life when I was younger before I even contemplated libertarianism because I I first heard Ron Paul about a decade or so ago, and that's when I kind of understood what I thought because there were a lot of things that I, like it was more like Ron Paul saying something and I go, hey, that's what I believe. Mm Mm-hmm. Rather than, oh, this is a brand new idea. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, he restructured the the conversation of like, what if it was Chinese troops in Texas rather than U.S. troops in Afghanistan? Right. How would we feel? So, you know, there was some deconstruction of that that was very good. But I remember one of the ones for me, I grew up in a Christian family. I'm a Christian. I Everyone, I think, knows that. But one of my, when I was probably like 12 or 13, I remember driving down the road and we were listening to the Christian music station and in the middle of it, the radio announcer person said, you're listening to WDJC, your God and country station. 
And I remember having this thought when I was like 13 or 14 where I was like, why are they putting those two things on the same right. line? Like this is a this is supposed to be a Christian. We're supposed to, you know, love God more than anything else. Why the hell are they equating these things? Right. And I was like, I can't do that. And I, I remember like having this cognitive dissonance for the longest time until I had someone articulate kind of what I was struggling with. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I actually want wanted to talk about was a, f a friend of mine, or one, actually one of the people from our group, uh, recently just put up a post and said, oh, my, it's been a couple of years, but my six months to from minarchist to anarchist are over. And I was thinking about how that works, because almost any time you talk to someone who's really stuck in that conservative, constitutional conservative or conservatarian or libertarian party mindset, it's the realization that kind of needs to happen I think for most people, isn't that anarcho-capitalism or anarchism or whatever is particularly well-documented historically as effective? Because people are always like, well, you know, what about the roads? What about military? What about defense? The whole point of this, what, what you really need to ask, I think, as someone who was a minarchist at, at a certain point, is do I believe what the state is doing is legitimate. Do I think that it's a moral good for the state to tax, to go to war, to do all of these things, to be the monopoly on security forces, police, all of these different things? Do they do a good job? Do they hurt people? Do they take their stuff? Am I okay with those things happening? And if you're not, regardless of whether or not you're in the LP or you are struggling with minarchism versus anarchism based on practicality or pragmatism philosophically you're an anarchist right you know right i think that that's one of the big hurdles is you know there are a lot of people out there that i know that would call themselves minarchist or wouldn't i mean i don't love using the word anarchist but wouldn't even say that they believe with most of the primary tenets of it because they're so afraid that if it happened it wouldn't work well right well i think there's also there, there's a big element of just kind of the the simplicity and the ease of kind of picking a team and just kind of being told what to think. Because let's be honest about it. The, the road to becoming an anarchist, you know, philosophically is not an easy one. Like like we were just talking about breaking out of the matrix. That's not an easy thing to do. It's yeah. difficult. You have to you, you have to question, you know, everything that you were taught for you know the first 18 years of your life or more and and yeah. you have to be open to other ideas that contradict what you had been taught all your life and you, you have to you have to do your reading you know you have to put effort into kind of finding that truth right and i, I right. think it also you know it's this is where the corporate media kind of ties into it because man, people are, people are freaking busy and people are freaking tired, especially when you're a 36 year old boomer, like I am, right? Like, <laughs> like I, I go through the day half asleep, right? And I don't even have any kids. I just have two sheep dogs and a wife and a couple of like <laughs> uh, just horrible cats, but that's besides the point. So like, <laughs> you know, it's so much easier to, you know, on your commute home from work, turn on the conservative talk radio and just be told what to think. 
And then when you're done with your commute, yeah. you can get out of your car and you can be with your family and you're good, right? To a certain extent, I, I totally get that because it's like, it's easy. You don't have to put too much thought into it. And we all know that like most people feel like they they can have no effect on this system anyway. You know, the most that they can do is go and cast their vote every couple of years and and that's it. So like why put a ton of effort into researching and understanding political philosophies that you may not have heard most of your life? Like I I got a family to take care of, you know, like I, I don't want to go reading right. these huge Ludwig von Mises books, which are just I mean, I'm sorry. I I get it. Like the guy's the guy was smart, but my God, is that boring stuff to read, at least for me. <laughs> I've read some of different people. I've never read but like a couple of chapters of Rothbard. Oh, you see, that's interesting to me because he was the one. Now, I I, I read uh, Anatomy of the State, which is basically a pamphlet. It's very small. And I read one other one. And I don't even remember the title now because it was years ago. But like he was the one that to me made it interesting because he he was so good. He was like a, he was kind of like Tom Woods. You know how Tom Woods can take any mundane subject and just kind of make it interesting. Like he's so good at kind of yeah. flipping it on its head and presenting it in a way that you've never thought about. That's what Rothbard was like to me. I will eventually read more. But a lot of my issue is I'm pretty convinced that I'm like ADHD or something. The only time I typically have to read is when I'm about to go to bed. Right. Yeah, me too. I'm going to fall asleep. Mm-hmm. So it's it's hard for me to sit down and read. Like, that's just another aspect of getting older, dude. <laughs> I'm the same way. Like <laughs> It's always been that way for me, though. Yeah. Like I'm going to fall asleep. And so like <laughs> audiobooks can help. Sometimes they're too dense. But Tom Woods was great for me. Mm-hmm. You know, that was that was good for me to learn more and... The reason that the Matrix thing is particularly, it's its an apt description, is because, yes, there are some people out there that are struggling with it, like we we're talking about, that are trying to get over the hump, trying to get out of the Matrix, and they're scared, or their expectations, or their, you know, their family will think they're crazy, whatever. But there is also a huge contingent of humanity that are NPCs. They never question the narrative. Mm-hmm. Just like what you were talking it's it's it, it all this it, I never thought in my life that later on after watching the Matrix when I was a kid that I'd go, "Wow, this actually is a really good analogy for <laughs> yeah, our reality." Yeah. Yeah. I just thought, "Hey, that guy is cool." <laughs> look no look no further than than Facebook debates, you know, on on any news story. It's like you have people from both sides, liberals and conservatives, just parroting talking points to each other. And it's like they're not these aren't original ideas. You know, they're just and and I have to admit, I mean, I used to be guilty of the same thing when I was younger, when I was in college. I was a stone cold conservative. You know, I listened to Rush and Hannity every day because I had a commute to school, you know, so like they they kind of indoctrinated me on my uh, commute. But I would just parrot their talking points. And, you know, I I stood with Israel without even really understanding why I stood with Israel. And I would get on Facebook and I would basically sound like a mini Hannity. And you still see that 
you see it even more now because Facebook has become so oh, yeah. much more political and people have become so dug into their sides. And it's like you're just parroting what like these elitist uh, state leeches are telling you to say, you know, it's you're you're not putting any critical thought into this. You just chose a team and you're sticking with that team. And like I said, like a part of me completely understands that. So, you know, when I say that, like, I, I'm a little bit I have a softer spot for conservatives than a lot of people in our circle. It's not that I don't want to break them out of the matrix. Man, this is we're really beating this metaphor to death. But um, <laughs> it's just so freaking. Yeah. Apt, yeah. Dude. But it's like I, I keep want to like I want to keep convincing people of this ideology that that we subscribe to. You know, I, I want them to hear it because, you know, like I said, I didn't even hear it until my early 30s. And there's a lot of people who have never heard it well articulated, I'm sure. So I want to keep spreading the word, but I, I don't want to be I don't want to beat people over the head with it and and tell them how wrong they are and how horrible of a person they are for never questioning this indoctrination that they sat through. Well, that I think that within libertarianism, there are a lot of people. I mean, the joke is that they're autistic. Right. And there's there's good reason. for I, that. I, I totally agree. <laughs> 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 I am definitely more along the lines of you when it comes to that. When I'm explaining my position, I'll be a little bit stronger. But at this point, I don't argue with anyone. Mm. I don't have any interest in it. I'm not going to argue with you. Right. But it is one of those things that there are people that we know within our group who I am a diplomatic person by nature. And so although I love to troll and you know, there are certain times I'll say a very strong phrase, it's never at the person, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. But there are a lot of people who, who, who have this idea that most people are like them and they don't need understanding or genuine conversation or even a, you know, like a, maybe there should be a libertarian uh, welcome party, a, a, a first night mixer where you meet the people who aren't autistic. <laughs> but there are a lot of people who, they think people think like them. And so what they needed was shock and awe. Mm -hmm. They needed someone to just take a hammer to their thoughts. And there have been times in my life where I've needed that hammer. And then there are other times where I need a conversation. Right. The more diplomatic, the more interpersonally intelligent people are going to go at it from a more conciliatory and conversational. They're going to come from a different area than the shock and awe. Some people only know how to do shock and awe. Right. So from the perspective of receiving that, you know, when, when I was on my way to becoming a, a libertarian, I, I'm the type of guy that if somebody tries to beat me over the head with something and tell me, no, this is what you need to believe. This is why you're wrong. I'm immediately going to resist that and be like, no, F you, <laughs> you know, like I'm going to dig in. So oh, yeah. like for me... I didn't start embracing this stuff until I was, you know, I had voted Republican all my life. And at 2016, when Trump became the nominee, I just couldn't stand him. And that's when I started, like, just looking into first the Libertarian Party and then Libertarianism. So it was like a, a slow kind of turn into Libertarianism for me that, like, I just if, if somebody was telling me this is what you should believe, 
never would have happened, right? Like if somebody was 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 right. debating me on Facebook and telling me this is what you should believe, I just I would have resisted it. But because I kind of was able to look into it on my own and and put the time in and slowly start to embrace the ideas, that's what worked for me. And I think I think most people are like that. I think if you tell somebody no, you're an idiot and here's why. Most people are just going to immediately resist. I mean, I agree with you completely. That's that's I think for me the way I go about these things, like there's the public persona, there's the trolling that I like to do, but when I'm having conversations with people or I'm talking about these issues, it 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 doesn't Man, my brain just farted. You better edit hard. out that huge silence, dude, because you sound like an idiot. <laughs> I will. Dude, that's like that was like my number one fear to agreeing to do this podcast is that I have these like brain farts like you, like you wouldn't believe because I don't talk to people ever. I can never come up with the right word. Like I have the vocabulary of like a six year old. I'm retarded. So like I (laughs) No, this has been actually really good. Like I can't believe that I haven't had any like huge, like 30 second silences where I'm just searching for the right word. I do it to my wife all the time. I'm like mid sentence and then I stop for like an extended period of time and then I'm like. (laughs) <laughs> what's the word I'm looking for? Wait, get, just give me a word, <laughs> you know, because I'm, I'm like straight up retarded. And w- what happened just then was my problem is I will know what I want to talk about and then I will go to say it and my mind has raced away oh, from that thought and is moving on to other too. stuff. Me too. And so so that's what just happened is I I had something to say and then I started thinking of something else and then forgot what I was But let me about. ask you this. You're you're effing awesome at articulating this shit in the shower, aren't you? Because I sure am. Like I have like these imaginary <laughs> debates in my head when I'm in the shower, and I'm dude, I'm Tom Woods. I'm like I'm better than Tom Woods. I'm freaking awesome. <laughs> and then like as soon as somebody, I'll is be like, honest with you, I don't think about. Oh it. my god, really? And then like as soon as somebody in real life is like, oh, so what do you think about this? I'm like, oh. I have no idea how to explain even my own thoughts about something. Yeah, I have I have no idea what I was getting at. Yeah, it was, but it was stupid. Anyway, it did make me case. think about there are people. Okay, so I would say within the, the libertarian uh, atmosphere, I don't know what word I want to use here, but Welcome within the realm of libertarianism, there are the people who want to have conversations, who want to have a meal with you and talk through all these different concerns or talk about the morality of it all or relate it to your life. Mm -hmm. And then there are the people who are like the Westboro Baptist Church Mm -hmm. who's like, God hates fags stuff. Like, are you going to have a conversation with that guy? No. The only reason you have a conversation with a guy who preaches libertarianism, like the Westboro Baptist Church preaches their demented gospel, the only reason people talk to them is so they can prove them wrong. Right. They don't go into that conversation with an open mind, with a, uh, a seeking discussion, seeking enlightenment or conversation. They are literally, you have said something wrong or you have said something mean and I can't abide that. Like back in 2016, like I've done a lot of changing 
since 2015 and 2016. Because when Trump first came out, I hated him. Mm -hmm. And I still hate most of what he does. And he's done some stuff that I despise. I, I can't believe I missed the humor of those first few debates. Oh, yeah. Because I was so, I was in my brain thinking about, oh, it needs to be Rand Paul. Rand Paul won every single one of these debates. No, he didn't. Mm -hmm. And I missed the humor. And that pisses me off yeah, more than anything. Yeah, yeah I, I was the same way. And I have softened on Trump quite a bit. But I will say that I did not miss the humor in the debates only because my wife kind of pointed it out to me. She, she was like, my, she's not super political. She believes what she believes, but she was excited. And she still is for, for 2020. She was excited every time a Trump debate would come on because she would just she would think that they're so funny. So like she kind of showed me the humor in those debates. Whereas if I wasn't with her, yeah, I would have been the same way. I, would, I just would have been like, screw this guy, screw this party for not giving Rand Paul a chance, you know? Yeah, well, and that's where that's where I was in 2016. And then I had to what kind of got me out of it. There were two there were two things that got me out of that and started started helping me see the humor in it. One was starting the Facebook group and having people who I could riff with on everything else. And then I started seeing the humor in it. But a big one for me was Michael Malice, mm -hmm. like his joy at this stuff. I understood it yeah. like every like he, he made me understand it so much better than even I did when I thought it was funny before. But I remembered my point. When I talk about these things and when I'm trying to convince someone of where I am, I think one of the most important aspects of making these arguments is humor. Mm -hmm. Because just like, I mean, you were listening to part of the problem. Right. It's Dave Smith. He's a, he's a comedian. Right. And there are people that I know who've listened to other people. Like there are those that are very intellectual and they just need the Tom Woods. Mm -hmm. There are the people who just want their, they just want weed. And then I think that it's way more effective to use humor. Yeah, I agree to red pill people. I also, I do believe like I've talked, I, I forget who I talked to talked about this with, but I believe in punching the bad guys regardless of what they have next to their name. So I, I love mocking the left and the Democrats, the Republicans, the right, and the Libertarian Party. Mm -hmm. Because the Libertarian Party pisses me off. The fact that there are people out there whose only definition of libertarianism is Gary Johnson pisses me off. Yeah. And so I'm not on the Dave Smith, Tom Woods, Scott Horton track of changing the LP and Jacob Hornberger. I, I, I just know. I want to use things like entertainment, humor, cartoons maybe whatever and use real life things that people connect with to teach what libertarianism is right. i think that if we're really going to affect people we have to work in the creative spaces we have to tell stories and make music and tell jokes because i think if we don't do that we're wasting our time yeah yeah i i agree with that so that's why we've we've got to make some stuff, man. Yeah. Well, and that's why I mean, <laughs> you know, you've you've started this whole network. I mean, this I, when you first started, you know, re-recording this podcast again and floated the idea of building this network around it. Man, I didn't know how serious you were. And it's like you like you are you're putting in the time and these um 
you know, how many shows do you have on the network now? I don't even, I can't keep count. Well, we've, we've got mine. We've got techno agorist. Thank you for your servers. Voluntary vixens, lesbertarian, and then David, who's kind of rogue, mm. but he's, he's with us. So six, I, I just, no one touches David's. David's is all David's, but I edit mine. I edit voluntary vixens and I, I edit Kim's show. So I spend a lot of time doing this. Yes. Not to mention, I'm starting up my next series of red pills. I don't know if you've listened to yeah. them yet, but boy, have I gotten a good response. Yeah, I mean, that. dude, like, I can't imagine how much time you put into researching these things. <laughs> I Between Ruby Ridge and Waco, I released the last episode of Waco, I think, on the 20th of February. All of 2020 was Ruby Ridge and Waco until that point. Like, it was on my mind. And so that's why it was... Like I've had a lot of, we, my kids have been sick, my wife's been sick and we've been out of town. And so I've been off making, off of making stuff mm-hmm. for a minute. And there's just been this wall in front of me because I'm like, I'm still stuck yeah. in Waco. And uh, <laughs> I, dude, maybe I, the, you're the, overdoing it. You sound like you need some sleep. I'll, I will say <laughs> that you, I shared, which one was, it was Ruby Ridge, right? In the part of the problem, inner circle yeah. group. And, um. When I shared it, I initially thought this isn't going to go anywhere because I never post in here and people have no idea who I am. Right. But people immediately started reacting to it. And and I think you got a bunch of new listeners from that. Hopefully you did. But it's like I hope it's so well done and so well researched that. Thank you. You know, if anybody has any interest in that kind of stuff, like government true crime is basically what it is. And yeah, uh, yeah, anybody that has a passing interest in that kind of stuff needs to go listen to those because they're so well done. Thank you. (laughs) Blood, sweat and tears. And I just started. So I was going to immediately smash into telling the story of the Oklahoma City bombing Mm -hmm. right after Waco. It was going to be essentially a trilogy of stories. So Ruby Ridge, Waco, OKC, because you know, uh, McVeigh, his, uh, his apparent stated, stated motives were Waco and Ruby Ridge. Mm-hmm. He was actually at Waco outside while they were holed up. I, I don't even know that. Yeah. And he w- weird, weirdly enough, uh, I saw pictures of him there and he was selling stickers that I've not made any sense of yet, which I'd like to, it was a bumper sticker and it had, they weren't crossed out or anything. It was a bumper sticker with a swastika and a hammer and sickle. And I don't know why he was selling those. I don't know what they were, but gosh darn it, I plan yeah. on finding out. <laughs> well, if anybody can get to the bottom of it, you can. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think with OKC, I need to take time for that. And so I think my plan as of the mom- as of this moment is he actually or the bombing. I don't know all the details yet. I'm, I have yet to start that deep dive. But the bombing happened on uh, April nineteenth, which was the anniversary of the burning of Waco. So. My thoughts are I'm going to do some smaller red pills and then on the anniversary of the Oklahoma City bombing on April 19th, I'll release that. Awesome. So, but yeah, yeah. I think we've hit a good, a good stopping point. Yeah, man, this was fun. I'm, uh, I'm glad you talked me into doing it. We're, we're going to have to, we're going to have to do it more because I was like, you said, no, I'm, I'm retarded. I can't, <laughs> I can't do this. I was like, no, no, no. Believe me, when we start actually having a conversation, you're going to be fine. Yeah. Well, I I don't know. I still I'm I'm pretty convinced I came off retarded, but um, that's 
That's all right. I mean, who am I trying to impress? I don't care. But yeah, so we'll we'll definitely do this again. All right, man. But uh, thank you for thank you for spending some time with me way past your bedtime, and uh, I'm sorry about yeah, that. Way way past. I gotta <laughs> I gotta clean all this blood off my head and get in bed. So. <laughs> Well, you, you go clean the blood off of your head and I'll, I'll, you know, I'll say goodbye to these people. Thank you, uh, everyone who's listening for joining us in this conversation with Minimal News. If you want to find me, you can find me at, just type this is MLGA in anything. Uh, you can email me at this is MLGA at gmail.com. You can tweet me at this is, it's every, just type it in wherever you want to. You'll find me. Where can, where can people find you? Like, do you want people to find you? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't try yeah, to just, find them. Just leave me alone. I mean, I, <laughs> if people are looking for me after this, they're probably just trying to find out where they can tell me that I sound like a moron. So, uh, yeah, you can just leave me alone. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can just send it to me and I'll get it to them. Uh, but yeah, thank you guys for listening. Don't forget to check out all the other shows I mentioned a few minutes ago and don't want to repeat the names of again. Tag me in every ridiculous, stupid news story that you see or things that'll piss me off or make me sad. I'd love to talk about those things. But until then, stay sane. Yeah.